Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. A big weekend of A-League, some great matches. Three-all draw. There was two, uh, sorry, three two-all draws, red cards, but unfortunately, yesterday, uh, the match between uh, Melbourne City and Adelaide, which finished 3-3, thanks to a late penalty uh, to Jamie McLaren, uh, was marred by a really serious uh, broken leg and a, and a stoppage to the game uh, when one day Lopez from Adelaide United suffered a shocking broken leg. Broken leg. One day is perhaps in a bit of shock at the moment. Well, I, given I was that. about to say the same thing because I'd be screaming the place down. And maybe he's just in shock. Um, Anyway, they put the towels around the Spaniard now, which I, I think is good because we don't really need to see that. Look really distressing for his teammates. Particularly his compatriots. Javi Lopez is in tears. Let's go down to Michael Zappone. Zappa. Oh, horrible, uh, Simon. It's literally uh, metres away from uh, where it happened and uh, I could hear the crack. It was an awful sound and uh, the players immediately knew what had happened there. Uh, Melbourne City players running over to the sideline to to call for an ambulance. So uh, an ambulance uh, is on its way. Uh, He'll be taken straight to hospital. Uh, But that sound is something that uh, you won't forget. Yeah, that audio thanks to Paramount Plus. And I guess the controversy in it was the fact there was no ambulance at Amy Park yesterday. So the Greg O'Rourke, the commissioner, uh, sent out a press release last night saying, in November 2018, static ambulance services were withdrawn by Ambulance Victoria and instead emergency physicians were installed at the stadium. Emergency physicians are doctors who have special who have specialised in emergency medicine, a specialist medical practitioner that are able to provide a high-level of care higher level of care than a paramedic. That change was approved by the PFA in 2018, has been policy in Victoria ever since. Every other state, it remains a policy to have static ambulances. So that explains why there wasn't an ambulance there. As we welcome in Paramount Plus football expert, Andy Harper. G'day, Andy. Jules, how are you, mate? I'm very good. That was a a wonderful game and a wonderful weekend of A-League. But uh, I guess we do see it every now and then that uh, we did get these horrific leg injuries in, in in the world of football yeah you know i think it's the worst it's it's um I, you don't know what to say really it, it's every player's worst nightmare and, and you can have not so bad breaks of legs uh and horrendous ones we hope this for, for one day is manageable and they can set it and he can regain full health but you know <clears throat> players bust knees in the footy games and this and that. But, but in, in our game, in football, it, it's it, to, to, to have the leg breaker, it, it's, it's the worst thing. Even if, even if um, in some, some occasions a broken leg can be less, <laughs> yeah. you know, less, less complicated than other, other types of injuries in getting back on the field. But it does have this horrendous, horrendous aura around it. And, uh, it was, and that came into full the full experience yesterday. Yeah, thoughts with one day Ramos as he recovers from that uh, serious injury. As I said, it was it was a great weekend of A League. You know, three all draws. There was three two all draws. There was red cards. There was late drama, and uh, just Melbourne City. That's three draws on the spin now for Melbourne City. So is, is the 
gap closing a little bit with some of these challenges towards City? Well, it's, it's interesting, George, isn't it? It was a fantastic round, firstly. and I, I, There were five draws out of the six games and scored draws. Um, not that nil or draws are always, by definition, boring, but, but goals do add that extra talking point. So that was quite remarkable uh, in its own way. Um, look, this is a little hump that, that Melbourne City have to get over, but, but I'm going to say more importantly, Rado Vidasic. Uh, I think, I'm not backtracking on what I said, I think he's done a fantastic job in, tran- in the transition out of the Paddy Kuznorbo era into his own. Um, and these things can be fraught. You know, it's not, not as though Paddy was sacked. He, he, he moved mm. to another opportunity in a team that was clearly the best in the competition. And the assistant moves up with well, a lot to lose and not really a heap to gain in, in, a, lot of, in a lot of ways uh, because just maintaining the status quo uh, is not altogether that easy. And if he does maintain the status quo, then people say, oh, well, you just inherited a winning team. So it's, it's a tough one for Rado. And I think he's done a really good job in the transition, but it's a really important period now that anyone who had any fears that, that Melbourne City might drop off the pace with Patrick's departure are, are going to start taking a close look now and seeing if this is anything more than just circumstantial. Um, <clears throat> Excuse me. At the moment, I think it's just circumstantial because as good as Melbourne City have been, they have had moments in the past where mistakes have been made and, and other teams have profited. I think the only thing that's getting people maybe a little nervous is too strong a word, but starting to consider things is the fact that this is you know, three games, consecutive draws. That hasn't happened for a long time for them. They normally bounce back. And the fact that they had to chase the game yesterday, I think, was, was another point to, to consider. And then the amount of the goals they conceded. So... It's the manner of the goals which makes me think it's just a, a circumstantial thing. Um, but, but time will tell. It's a very, very interesting period for the best team in the comp at the moment. Yeah, there's a couple of uh, defensive howlers from City yesterday. Out of all the games on the weekend, was, was the Mariners-Western Sydney one the pick of the lot? Uh, yeah, look, I think so. Uh, I think so because it, it was, it's a story of a team that's back, and I've talked about that with the Mariners, and it's a, going up against the story of a team that might be on its way back in the Wanderers, um, who had such a massive impact on, on the game since they joined the competition, mostly for good, but in recent years for real, because everyone sort of wondered where the hell the club had gone and, and we've, we've, it's reinforced how much we miss them when they're not doing their thing. And, and you know, they're sitting high up on the comp now it's, and, and providing some... Like Saturday night was just a great fight. It was a great game of football and... And I think that's why it emerged as the game of the round when we look back because you know, the Mariners just keep refusing to buckle um, and we're still being tantalised that very possibly the Western Sydney Wanderers are seriously on the way back. And I think that all fed into the whole story as well. Uh, and then the players just delivered some great goals and, and fantastic aptitude and, and application. It was magnificent. It's been a Paramount Plus football commentator, Andy Harper. Uh, so big announcement in Sydney today. He's back from the brink, Graham Arnold. It's remarkable. He said in March last year that uh, Graham Arnold's going to have a good World Cup and uh, he's going to lead us to the next World Cup. You might have been put in a straitjacket, but it's a fair old turnaround for what he's done. Yeah, and I'd even I'd even draw it beyond March and going to June. Mm. Um, and then a little bit later than that, but the, the, the ship quite definitely turned around in those playoff games um, against UAE and Peru. And then uh, the World Cup told its own story with a mini revival there because, you know, we shouldn't revise history. They're on the canvas after the France game. 
So in those two moments around the, the knockout matches to qualify and then getting out of the, turning it around from the France game, it's been a remarkable turnaround. And, and uh, it all seems as though it's going to be confirmed uh, today that he'll be reinstalled as a Socceroos coach. And, you know, it was his to lose. We've spoken about this before, Jules. I'm nervous for him now. I mean, <laughs> like, you're not saying for a second that this wasn't expected or that it's not deserved or that, maybe, I don't know, Football Australia considered anyone else or they approached anyone else. Um, but I'm nervous for Graham Arnold now because um, having done what he's done, his his place in the in the legend and the folklore of the game would would just be in concrete bronze. It was just incredible, and now that's uh, all on the line again. Now you know, he'll say, "Well, I'm not here for legacy. I, I want to keep coaching the team," and that's all fair enough. But geez, she can be a pretty polarised world uh, that of the Socceroos coach, um, and that's all now. On, well, it seems as though that's all going to be put back on the line again. Well, it doesn't. Excuse me. It doesn't sound like anyone else was approached. They are waiting for Graham to make his decision. Is that the right thing to do? Should Should you be exploring to see who's available and who else is there? Or as a a mark of respect for Graham and what he did at the World Cup, you just had to wait for for him to give an answer. Uh, no, I think you should have done both. I think you should, Graham deserved um, total respect in the whole process and. And he would have been central to the considerations, and, and as a matter of respect, he would have uh, had his place in that in, in that situation. Oh, if you're suggesting it shouldn't have been a fait accompli, um, I'm with you on that. I, I think it's it's the responsibility of the governing body, in this case, Football Australia, of any sport, but it's Football Australia and the employers, um, to actually ensure they've got the very best person for the job when you consider what the job's going to entail. Now, in all likelihood, if he was going to declare himself available, that could well have been, probably would have been Graham Arnold. But uh, if you're telling me, and I can't challenge you because I don't know, Jules, but if you're saying there was that no one else was approached, then, yeah, I, I, I'm sort of having a problem with it, but I would have thought it, it's not a completely full a, a way of approaching it. That, that's the way I'd say it. I would be surprised if, in fact, other people weren't sounded out and other options weren't canvassed because... The planning behind this needs, um, I'm sure it was, but that's for the sake of the discussion, it needs to be more full than just than just making sure that mm. you, know, you, you stay with the same horse and jockey. I, I, I don't know if that would have been <clears throat> the right way to have approached this. Now, it does appear that his new role, according to you know sources in the Daily Telegraph, will expand and include mentoring all coaches, including the under-17s, under twenties and under twenty threes, and we've heard Graham, you know, speak a lot, like you have, about you know, getting the pathways right and getting the coaching right to, at the younger levels. Um, does that make you pleased that he'll take a role in that? Well, I'm a bit confused, well, and you know, people, speculation in the press, and that's our business sometimes, Jules. <laughs> so I'm not raining on our own parade here, but we'll wait and see actually what what comes out. But I thought that was Ernie Merrick's job. Um, I thought they'd hired Ernie Merrick to be the disruptor and the head of football. Um, but again, <clears throat> excuse me, he might have a more specific role than that as well. Uh, but I, I did think that national teams came under Ernie Merrick in his role of chief football officer. Mm. Um, so it, it, if, if these reports are suggesting that they're now going to carve a bit of that away and put that under the Graham Arnold as the national team coach, um, would seem a little strange to me. 
Yeah, that is interesting. Not, not that he hasn't, not that mm. he hasn't got great input to give. Don't, there's a separate issues, right? Graham's experience uh, is vast, <clears throat> and he's got a lot to contribute. I'm not challenging that, but I, I, I'm still under the impression that Ernie Merrick was brought in to be the disruptor and to set the path. Yeah, it's an interesting point uh, you raise. So next, you know, the next big assignment for the Socceroos is the Asian Cup. Um, yes. Off the back of what we did in the World Cup, we saw some really strong performances from the Asian nations. What's, what's a realistic expectation for the Socceroos at this Asian Cup? Well, they have to be, they have to be winning it. And this is my fear for Graham's legacy. Mm. Because winning the Asian Cup, particularly in this next cycle, is going to be immeasurably more difficult than qualifying for the World Cup. Now, the World Cup qualifier... Qualifying process, qualifying process up till now was the cure-all and didn't matter what happened, mostly in other tournaments and competitions, you might have lost a little bit of skin and bark along the way, but if you managed to qualify for the World Cup, all was forgiven. But that was the 32-team World Cup. That yeah. changes next time. You know, there's, there's maybe, I think, eight Asian teams, and listeners will correct me on that detail, but the whole competition format has been blown open and... To not qualify for a World Cup now as an Australian national team, uh, in the short term at least, would be a, a, a monumental failing. Um, so that I, I, that's just not going to happen. But now the focus does uh, move on to the Asian Cup, um, and it's only Ange Postacoglu who ever elevated the Asian Cup and winning it on home soil to being a bigger prize than, than the World Cup qualifications, and he's established his own legacy on the back of that. Um, but with this World Cup performance now and, and reputable news outlets in Europe crowning Graham as the best coach at the World Cup, this is, this is all now going to be on the line because the Socceroos fans are, are very hungry fans and um, we want another Asian Cup and the form line going into it with this team, with this coach, suggests that they should be winning the Asian Cup. And again, until, until the, the real groundswell in Asia becomes really difficult for us to manage. It's starting to happen at youth level, but national team and senior team level, we're still uber competitive. Um, But even without this World Cup performance, this fantastic World Cup performance, Australia at the start of every World Cup should be having a minimum expectation, Asian Cup rather, should Mm. be having a minimum expectation of semi-finals, minimum. Anything less than a semi-final in my book in Asian Cup in our recent history is a failure. Yep, I think uh, I think most would agree with that. We're speaking to Andy Harper, Paramount Plus football expert. Uh, FA Cup over the weekend, uh, Andy. Uh, Ryan Reynolds has put Wrexham on the map. A lot of people oh, wa- watching welcome to Wrexham. He was there today. Yeah. He was signing autographs. And he was a couple of minutes away from – they beat Arsenal about 30 years ago in an FA Cup match. But mm-hmm. from a very, very famous victory, in the end, uh, they'll have to settle for a replay at, at uh, Bramall Lane. Yeah, well, let's hope they can hold it together because, you know, they did. The Sheffield United got out of trouble at decent injury time. And listeners, if they haven't followed this, should realise that Sheffield United, are, they're sitting in the top two in the mm-hmm. championship with quite a buffer between them and the chasing pack, remembering that the top two teams in the championship get promoted to the Premier League. Um, <clears throat> and it would take quite, quite some fall for Sheffield United not to be a Premier League team next year. Yep. Meanwhile, five levels below that are Wrexham. Now... I'm with you. I'm loving Welcome to Wrexham. And this, these FA Cup stories, I just can't wait for the next series to be published 
Uh, and I have to I have to resist Jules doing the Google search on a Monday to see how Wrexham have gone in the National League because I don't want to ruin the experience of watching Welcome to Wrexham. These two guys, I've just got the Philadelphia Eagles on the telly now too. Rob McElmay's uh, the, the co-owners team and, and Wrexham, their away strip is the Philly Eagles green. Um, and that's, that's right. tied all these things into this beautiful, beautiful story. And it's everything I can do almost on a Monday, not to see how Wrexham have gone in the league on the weekend so it doesn't spoil the next series of, <laughs> of Welcome to Wrexham. It's just quite a great story. And it's Hollywood. It's all this sort of stuff. But these guys seem to be... I'm not getting into the movie reviewing now or, 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 or <laughs> streaming things reviewing, but I know there's an authenticity about their love for this journey and, and, the, and, and but how lost they are in the whole thing without really knowing what they're doing which has this authenticity now coming out into real life with the, 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 the way the team and, and the club around it is, is breaking. So it's a great sports story, actually. They're really enjoying it. Well, it's a bit in a different way. It's like Sunderland Till I Die. I didn't really like Very Sunderland. Similar. I didn't like Sunderland, to be honest. But having watched that, and you actually yeah. f- f- find yourself checking the table, checking their results, and actually hoping they get back to the Premier League. Yeah, well, look, I'm... I'm, I'm I like Sunderland till I die. Um, uh, I've been in that part of England, and and you do you do get the feeling just how deep the connection to their football club is. And Sunderland till I die magnified that. But of course, this was a depressing story about a, a big team going the other way. Um, whereas Welcome to Wrexham is the story of one of the oldest professional football clubs who've, who've been on their knees and starting the long climb back into some semblance of respectability. Uh, and look, it's it. It's great sport. It really is great sport. And these are smart guys. I don't know how they've packaged this whole story up. The centrepiece of which is the form of the football team. And God knows every Monday we talk about how you can manipulate the form of football teams. It's impossible. But these guys are somehow building this quite magnetic story around it and the, the most important piece of it they've got very little control over. And even that's working for them in the mo- at the moment. It's just re- it's a fascinating experience, the whole welcome direction thing. It is good stuff. Before I let you go, Liverpool out, knocked out by Brighton, mm. which is not a massive shock given how well Brighton's going in the Premier League. But does, how much pressure does that add to Jurgen oh. Klopp or not that significant? No, it's significant. I mean, you know... This is a really poor season for Liverpool. They've been so high. A couple of players go and the whole thing collapses. Of course, it's more uh, complex than that. Um, and we've spoken before, but you know, the FA Cup is one of the my favourite still remaining because of the history yep. of the thing. And, and, and it, it hasn't been gobbled up necessarily by the huge uh, corporate and commerce that's taken over league football. Um, hence the stories like Rex, Welcome to Wrexham, etc., uh, and it's still a big, it's a big trophy for the fans because, you know, because of that. Uh, and to have really that, the only thing going for them now is is really sad for the Liverpool fans who've enjoyed a great run recently. Um, and for Jurgen Klopp, who's, I think, universally admired and liked. Yep. I don't know that there's any anti-Jurgen forums around the place. Um, and with the credit he's built up, which doesn't last forever, Jules, but I think that's holding solid at the moment. And, and the decline of the team on the field... I'm suggesting we'll be just putting more pressure on the owners. Not that these people react to the pressure necessarily, um, but if the fans will be showing their disgust anywhere, it will be at the ownership, which is the fate of, of the big clubs at the moment in, in, who are owned by these big money 
hedge funds mm. or nation states or, biz, or, or billionaires, uh, and they walk into the kitchen, they've got to take the heat. Mostly they seem pretty impervious to that heat, but still that's where the fans will be, be sending their eye, I'm sure. Andy, always uh, great to catch up. It was a great weekend uh, of A-League, and uh, let's hope for another one next weekend. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Jules. Good on you, mate.